series that we've simply called Cross-Reference. That we're, sent, we're just going to look at the references where Jesus, that Jesus made. The things he said while he was on the cross. And we're looking at it through the power of the resurrection. So if you've got your notes open, you've got your version app, or you've got your little handy-dandy notes that we gave you, then this is something we're going to be pounding on us this whole series long, is that the resurrection changes everything. You and I should interact with God based on the resurrection, based on what Jesus did on our behalf. That should be our, our foundation, that we come to God and we look to Him and we know that He looks to us and that the resurrection marked a significant change in everything. That's why as we study the Old Testament, as you read through the Old Testament, you have to look at it through the lens of the resurrection. You have to look at it through the lens of what Jesus Christ has done. Because so many things were fulfilled and shifted at the cross. And we understand God so much better now through the intimacy of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus has done for us. Because the resurrection changes everything. We've, we've looked at this passage last week of Luke 24. And here are the women who've gone to bring the spices and to finish prepping Jesus' dead body. They expected a dead body. And when they got there, they found an empty grave. I, my prayer for you is that as you move forward, and some of the things, that some of the ugly things that you think are nagging in the back of your mind or waiting for you in the near future, that you're going to step forward and you're going to find it empty. That a thing that you thought was going to haunt you, going to greet you, you were going to have to deal with, you were going to have to, 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 to have to somehow push through, that the power of the empty grave is going to come in there and change everything. And these women are there, and it says, And in their fright the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. All of a sudden now, on this side of the empty grave, the words that they had known the whole time had made a complete different sense. They look like words that should have made sense the whole time. And sometimes that's, that's the power of this. Man, in call, back in college, and I had some guys that I was kind of an iron sharpening iron relationships, and we were both going through school together, and we're reading the Bible, and something would come alive. And it'd be something that was as simple as like, man, God loves me, or that God's for me. And so we would say it to each other. Say, man, I'm just reading and I'm just studying. I've been spending time with God. And man, God is just for us. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he is. No, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't get it. God is for us. And you're like, I, I know, Brandon, you, you, you're kind of easily excited about this. This is stuff we've known a long time. And so, no, 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 it's, it's, it's bigger than you understand. And, and we would find this place of getting frustrated and being a place of agreement. But something that sometimes you already think you understand when you look at it from, from fresh eyes and what God is doing in your life, it, it brings on this stronger reference. And the first place we want to look at is, that, is what Jesus said 
the very, at the very end. When he said, it is finished. Because there's just something powerful about finishing. It's just something powerful about it. And it's one of those things, I, that is one of my personal issues that I, have to, that I deal with on a, on a daily basis. My, I've been very open with it, with, my, with our board and whatnot, and I'm more creative in my nature. That's where my energies come from. And so if there's something fresh, something exciting to do, then that just I get energy from that. You know, and other people get energy from a task completed. And they love the check mark at the end of their little checklist. And I don't even like checklists at all. I, and so unless I get to make one, and then that's fun. I made the checklist. I put it aside. Well, then you're actually supposed to use them. That's not any fun. I want to make it. I want to create it. Well, then I have this other problem that I get projects going at my house. And so, and I love a new project. And like watching the, the HGTV and all that kind of stuff, it's just dangerous. Because then you see something, you're like, oh, man, I want to be able to do this in this corner of the house and do this outside. And then you sit there and you get going and you go to Lowe's and that's even more dangerous. And, you know, and then you take your wife to Hobby Lobby and that's the worst kind of danger. And then you're sitting there and you're going and you're like, all right, let's get this going. And you jump into the project and then you have this, this room that looks a certain way and you have this vision in your mind and you get into the middle of it and it starts to transform. And there's a spot in every project when you realize it's going to work. It's going to work. This is going to look amazing. This is going to be awesome. All right, cool. Now, what project's next? Brandon, there's only three walls painted. I know it's going to look awesome. What else are we going to do? There's only three walls painted. It doesn't look awesome. Yeah, but it's going to look awesome. Let's work on this and work on this. And man, just that whole finish. I love the creative process. I love all of that. I love all of those energies. But, but man, as soon as it looks like, okay, all the creation's done and now it's just work, that's no fun. And so there's this thing that I personally have been walking in a, a fresh trying to get projects around my house and different things finished. And so because I love all of the new things and there's this power of finishing. And one of the, one of the, First things where I, I really began to, to understand this is I'm, I've shared with you before, I'm not athletic, but I want to do some athletic things, and I decided that I could just, I could just try to run. And so there was a race years ago that was a, there was a run, bike, run. It was a duathlon. So I decided I was going to do this. And my, my first jaunt, I, I make it and I run a half a mile without stopping, and that was a huge win. And this race was I was supposed to run three miles and bike 18 miles and then run three miles more, which just sounded like impossible to me. So I'm sitting out there and I'm progressing and I'm finally getting ready to do my first 5K in practice, my first 3.1. And I decide to take, you know, help in case I collapse on the way or something. And so I take Keenan, he's about 10 years old on his bicycle. So he's riding on his bike and he's riding beside me. Now when we go running, um, you know, then I'm the one that needs to be on the bicycle, and Keenan's Keen the one running. And, uh, but as we're going along, then he's asking me, well, Dad, why are we doing this? Why are you, why are you doing this? I was like, well, I've got a race. He said, oh, Dad, that's awesome. So, you, so you're going to win? I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to win. And that 10-year-old's brain, he's like, oh, Dad, you, you, you have to win. 
You have to win. You have to go out. What do you mean you're not going to win? Don't be so negative, Dad. You can win. I'm like, son, I am not going to win. He's like, all right, Dad, just, just don't come in last. Don't come in last. I said, son, I'm probably going to come in last. It's just the way it's probably going to go down. I'm comfortable with coming in last because when that race for Brandon Clark, it was simply about finishing. It was simply about getting it completed. That it wasn't about anybody else that I was on the road with. It wasn't about anybody else that was out there. It was about the fact that there was something that I wanted and it just the finish is what it was all about. And what we're going to look at is the fact that when Jesus said, it is finished. It wasn't about him finally completing something and him being able to raise his hands at the end and say, I'm the best. See, Jesus sat there and when he pursued this, he pursued this finish. It wasn't about him winning some sort of competition. Jesus' finish was about me winning and you winning. Jesus finished and he made us all winners. We were on the outside stuck. We were in the loser camp, whether you believe it or not. We were all away from God and stuck, and we, there was no hope for us. And when Jesus says it is finished, that he crossed the finish line, you and I became winners in that moment. You and I were able to step over from death to life. See, Jesus finished everything he came to accomplish. He finished everything he came to accomplish. See, we need to get this in our understanding because so many times our prayer life is so much motivated by what we want God to step in and do for us. Instead of saying, God, help me understand what you've already done. If what you can just live in what's already been accomplished and what he's already done, I'm telling you, your life would be revolutionized. Jesus has finished it. John 19.30 says, And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. See, for us in English, it's, it's three little words. It's, it's, it's five syllables. But there, when you get back to the Greek, Jesus didn't say a sentence. He cried out one word. He cried out one word. And that was teleo. He cried out one word, teleo. It is finished. It is done. I love this word because it is so, it's so rich in its meaning. Yes, it means complete. Yes, it means fully executed. Yes, it means conclusion. But it also means to discharge a debt. Debt paid. How amazing that as Jesus was giving up his spirit, that he cried out, debt paid. It's paid. He didn't have a debt. He stood in for me and he stood in for you and he cried out, it is done. It is paid. It is accomplished. It's also a word of something to come to an official close, an official end, like a chapter in a book. We watch a movie and we see the little titles in the old movie, The End. An epoch, an era has now 
closed and something new has come. See, Jesus has always been about doing the Father's business. Always. He's always been on point. He was always there. So let's look at two verses. For, <clears throat> let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 49. It says, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? This isn't 30-year-old Jesus. This isn't ministering Jesus. This is 12, 11-year-old Jesus. This is Jesus who hasn't stepped up into the fullness of it, but is very much aware of who he is and what he's come to accomplish. See, while his parents had gone to celebrate Passover with a whole group of people, then Jesus is there talking in the temple and talking to the teachers and the scribes and the Pharisees and discussing things. And honestly, the scriptures say they're blowing their mind. They were, they were wowed. And had no idea how somebody that young understood these things. They freak out. Mom and dad go looking for him. It was three days they were apart. And here, come, here they come. They find him and they're freaking out. And here's his response. You're freaking out. Didn't you know that I would be about my dad's business? Didn't you know I would be doing what is a big deal to him? Didn't you understand that? Then we catch up in Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he goes into the synagogue. And, and this is after he's had the temptation and all of these different things. And, and he comes in and he's there in the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church gatherings. This is a normal thing. He got together with other people who were pursuing God makes sense that Christ followers would get together in groups. Jesus did it. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's come, I've come to do these things. This is what I am all about. You want to know what Jesus' mission was? He spelled it out clearly. And then we have the guy that Jesus states is that there's when no one born of woman is greater than this man. He's referencing John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the one who was the forerunner of Jesus and, and sees him from afar off and, and, and declares the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist is the one that Jesus goes to and, and wants to be baptized by him. And, and he's wanting to say, no, 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 you ought to be baptizing me. And he says, no, this is, this is good. This needs to be done. You need to baptize me. And he gets baptized. He's there as, as the... the <clears throat> Clouds of heaven open up and, and this voice from heaven is proclaimed. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is John the Baptist. He knew in his heart that Jesus was the one. He heard it in this moment and still a little bit later when he's in prison and in a hard time. He doubted. He wondered. He didn't know if Jesus was the one 
Things weren't going down quite the way he kind of thought that they were going to go. Thought Jesus would be a little more militant. Thought Jesus would be a little more ready to throw off the Roman oppressors. Thought Jesus would do things a little different. Instead, he's going to parties and he's hanging out with bad people. And he's talking about these different things about being blessed, which means just being happy. And he's talking about these different things it's like, ah, this doesn't fit my picture here. And he sends his disciples to Jesus. He sends, he's in jail. He can't go himself and he sends his disciples to Jesus. It says, and when John heard in prison that the Messiah, what the Messiah was doing, he heard the stories about what Jesus was actually doing. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? As if the voice from heaven wasn't enough. What, what he was doing didn't line up. I'm not, I'm not good here. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus replied and said, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. If you can just walk this out with me. I get that what I'm doing isn't jiving with what you thought Messiah should do. But look at what's taking place. I'm still on point from what I said there out of Isaiah. See, everything that Jesus did was to finish his work. Everything. So when he claims it is finished, everything was building to that moment. Every interaction. That's what it was about. Let's look at John chapter 4, verse 31. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. They see Jesus. He's looking a little hungry. They show up. They want him to have a snack, want him to have a meal. He, they walk up in the scenario they walk into is Jesus is speak, had been speaking to a Samaritan woman who had a horrible reputation. She had had five husbands. The man she was with then, was she was just living with. And Jesus has this interaction with this lady who was honestly trying. She was going to draw water at the wrong time of day. She was just trying to mind her own business and stay out of things. And so Jesus is here and he had just finished up having a powerful life-changing encounter with a scandalized woman. And Jesus responds to his disciples, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus is talking on a whole other plane here. And then he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know what he found fulfillment and satisfaction from? Building up and, encount and totally revolutionizing the life of that scandalized woman. That was the food. That was doing the father's work and finishing it. Every time he touched a leper, to him it was finishing the work. Telling the woman that was caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. It was part of him 
finishing his work. When he healed on the Sabbath, when he brought good to somebody who was, who was beat down on oppressed on a day when no work was supposed to be done, he was finishing his work. When he turned the tables in a place that was supposed to be holy and separate, in a place where people could come and worship and connect with God, and he drove out the people who were taking advantage of people who just wanted to connect with God, he was finishing his work. When he was dining with sinners and the outcasts, Jesus was finishing his work. And when he dined with the self-righteous and the Pharisees, which he did that as well, he was finishing his work. See, John 5, 36, he says, I have a testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, they testify that the Father has sent me. Look at my ministry. This is a picture of what I'm about. This is a picture of what Father God is about. This is what we're wanting to do for everybody. John 17, 1 says, Then after Jesus said this, He looked towards heaven and He prayed. This is right before He gets arrested. This is right before the whole process that takes Him to the cross. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son. That your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people. That he might give eternal life to those that you have given to him. Now this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought glory on earth by finishing the work. That you gave me to do. And now Father glorify me in your presence. With the glory that I had. Before the world. Began. As he is having. His, that last public prayer moment. With his father. It is about. You and I. Having eternal life. Which is defined by knowing God. That we could know him. Genuinely, truly know Him. That's the work He came to finish. That we wouldn't be outsiders anymore. We wouldn't be the scandalized or the too dirty or the too sick or too whatever to be near God. See, Jesus finished His work because of what it meant for you and I. And that was us being made right with God. See, when you read this, you are in the story. And if you don't see yourself in the story, you are missing it. You are in the middle of this story. Hebrews 12.2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of our faith. Certain translations say he's the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, as he was pursuing his work, every moment, all the way through, he just went through with the purpose of finishing this thing. And for the joy that was set before him, were the nails joy? No. Was the crown of thorns joy? No. Were the whip across his back fun? No. There was the joy there that he knew on the other side of the work finished was you and I being able to have eternal life 
which is knowing the Father. That is what this is all about. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I've talked about this multiple times. I've looked at this passage of scripture multiple times. And I don't know about you, but I don't have a whole lot of fun in reconciling my checkbook. Reconciling. Some of you are numbers people and kind of accounting people and you like dig it. That's awesome. But to me, reconciliation, the only way it's exciting is if you go through QuickBooks the first time and you hit it and it matches. One try. Boom! That's the fun. That's when it works. But then what's upsetting is when you've got two numbers. And one of them's a number in your favor and one of them's a number that's not in your favor because they don't match. Whether it's 10 cents or 100 bucks or a, your account's 1,000 bucks off. You're sitting there and you're seeing a $1,000 discrepancy and it's time to reconcile and you're like, I hope it goes that way. This is going to be ugly if we're missing a grand and I didn't even know it. And as you are, re- you are reconciling it towards one of those. You're reconciling it towards one of those. There's an imbalance. And you're reconciling it. I so love it that God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. He was sitting there and in Christ, any little adjustment, any little thing that needed to be done, any ledger entry on our accounts, any of those different things, Christ was adding to it, Christ was adding to it, Christ was adding to it, until finally we get to the point that we match. Jesus has brought us to that point. The work he finished was reconciling us to God. When we get an understanding of that, that we've been brought to the place where we are righteous, where we are there with God, not based on us, but based on Jesus done, all of a sudden we, all of a sudden the burdens are gone and the weight is gone and we can live differently. The bottom line is, is Jesus finished the work of making us right with God. Yeah, Brandon, I don't feel right. That's because you're still looking at your account and leaving only you in it. You're not equating Jesus. You're not equating him. You're like, Brandon, I still feel like a scumbag. I still feel like all of this stuff. You're not equating Jesus into your life. Jesus finished his work, not so we could still be separated and him being outside of us. He could fully be a part that's why I love it. The little expressions that we that the little kids say is, "I invited Jesus into my heart." You're like, well, what does that mean? The beautiful thing is, I as as, <clears throat> as you try to break that down, I just love the simplicity of it. That Jesus alive in me. Now, God God has made us right. With him 100%. And that was the work that got finished, folks. The resurrection changed everything. Prior to that, there was a gross imbalance. 
And the best we did was to be able to say, I'm going to try to do better and fix this. But after the resurrection, it's reconciled. It's finished. Jesus finished it. This morning, I want to create a quiet moment. I want to create an opportunity for you to just think and just dwell on that just for a minute. Where are you not factoring Jesus into your own life? You have placed your faith. You've, you've understand that he's done something for you. And, and that somehow without him, you don't stand to hope. But somehow when you just look at daily life, you forget that Jesus entered it. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you for a second. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Say, God, where am I not letting you fully factor into my life? Where am I still trying to do this on my own? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction. You're like, Lord, you did so much for me. I want to do this for you and I'm going to give this up for you. Sounds sweet, but it's still about you doing for him. This is about him doing for you. Were you not factoring what he's done in? That the reconciliation is what he wants to do. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe there's a relationship that's out of balance. You're not factoring in Jesus. That Brandon, that could never be healed. We had relationships up here last week that looked like they could never be healed. But then Jesus was factored in. The power of the resurrection changes everything. Maybe it's your own self-loathing. You're like, Brandon, you don't know what I've done. I can't release it. You're not factoring in Jesus. If God in heaven can love you fully, don't you think he can help you to love you fully? This isn't pride. This isn't arrogance. This is being at peace with who God's made you and the, and the, the new creation he's doing. Where are you not letting what Jesus has done fully factor. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these that are here right now. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is ministering and speaking even at this moment. And Lord, and I pray, Lord, that they just allow you to step in. To come in, Lord, and begin the reconciliation process. That the addictions are breaking off, not because of them, but because of you. Them trusting you and letting you have your will and way. The beginning of restoration of relationships is happening, Heavenly Father, because of you. The renewing of minds are happening because of you. Because of the work you completed. It's done. It's finished. Lord, we thank you for that.
Lord, I pray for anyone here who feels like they're still on the outside. And if you're here and you feel like that somehow that you finally recognize that you need a Savior and that Jesus is Him, you get it that He reconciled you to God. It's not about your striving, but about Jesus' finishing. And you believe that this morning and you just want to declare that. I want you to just lift your hand. You step over from death to life. Awesome. Awesome. I want to encourage you. Pray this prayer with me. Believers, pray it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your life in me. Thank you for reconciling me to you. That you're the one that did the work. And I'm the one that wins. And I thank you for that. Today you're my father. And I'm your child. And you're going to finish the work. You've begun in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. I want us to just stand up. Yes. If that was you. We've got some folks. We have the Hernandez over here and the Lawhones over here. We've got some people in T9. They've got some resources they can give to you. They can pray with you. I just want to pray with you as we go out of here. Thank you for your patience today because Jesus is the one who finished it all. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you that you're the one that reconciled. You're the one that did it. Lord, and we get to walk in the freshness and newness of life in you. Lord, I thank you that the old has passed and the new has come. And we live in the newness because of what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have a great Sunday.